0: Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Perhaps you've heard a few of these phrases in your lifetime. Perhaps you've spoken a few of these phrases in your lifetime. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know. I'm not just talking to hear my voice. A little dirt never hurt anybody. No, we are not lost. No, we are not there yet. Don't make me pull this car over. And finally, go ask your mother. I'll bet outside of this small Advent window of time, if I ask you to tell me what your impressions of Joseph in the Bible are, Most of us wouldn't think of any of the quotes above, although they are often attributed to what fathers might say to their children. But what does Joseph have to say? Truly nothing that we can point to in scripture, not one word from Joseph is recorded for us to hear his voice. But that certainly doesn't mean that Joseph isn't full of character, that he isn't present, that he isn't important. Still, we've kind of come to regard Joseph, I think, the earthly father of Jesus as, at best, a minor figure, at worst, a bystander. Like many of you, Jennifer and I have several beloved manger scenes in our home. I can think of lots of conversations over the years in our home, one of which was just two nights ago, that goes something like this. Hey, Dad, I can't tell if this one's a wise man or Joseph or a shepherd. Well... Does he have a big stick? Yes. That's a shepherd. Is he holding something that looks like a present in his hand? No. That's Joseph. Hardly a rousing endorsement of Joseph's role in this monumental, literally life-changing moment in all of history. Joseph is one of, if not the most overlooked characters in all of the Christmas story. Think about our carols They focus on Jesus, as they should. But if not Jesus, then who else? Mary. It's Mary and Jesus. It's Jesus and Mary. Even the shepherds, though, and the wise men get a shout out. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. There's not a word in all of Silent Night about Joseph. I checked. No hymns, carols, no night before Christmas poem. All that we know of Joseph is in Scripture. And yet even that is fairly underwhelming. The Gospel of Mark, the first of the four Gospels, makes no reference to him at all. The 13 New Testament books written by Paul, the epistles, don't mention them a single time. However, and this is pretty important this morning, Joseph... The earthly father of Jesus directly and completely obeyed God, humbled himself faithfully to carry out the command that he was given in the passage we just heard, fulfilled prophetic scripture to travel to Bethlehem, and we can safely assume helped facilitate the birth of Christ into our world. These are the attributes I see in this earthly father of Jesus. Joseph was present. Joseph listened. Joseph was courageous. Joseph was faithful, and Joseph did the right thing. The right thing by his family and the right thing by God. That speaks to a pretty hefty character, if you ask me. Things all fathers aspire to, I hope. Now, I suspect Joseph probably thought his life was going to work out pretty well for him early on. After all this marriage to Mary was prearranged, that's how it happened back then, you know. But then as we hear today in our gospel, Joseph's world was turned upside down. He discovers that his bride-to-be is expecting a child. She's pregnant. Now in that day and culture, there were three options Joseph had. Option number one, he could expose her publicly as being an unfaithful wife, an unfaithful woman. And what would they do then to a woman like that? Well, within the law, They would stone her. They would stone her to death. That was an option for Joseph. Option number two, he could privately divorce her. All he had to do was give her a handwritten note of divorce, the certificate noted by two witnesses, and it would be done. Option number three, he could go ahead and still marry her. According to the laws of Exodus, if a young couple is betrothed and the bride ends up pregnant, presumably The text just kind of presumes this, that they had physical relation. They could get married. That was totally permissible under the law. The problem for Joseph, though, as you've noticed, is that he had nothing to do with Mary being pregnant. So Joseph opted initially for number two. I'm going to privately divorce her. I'm going to get a rabbi. We're going to get this whole thing ended, and let's just move on. That was Joseph's way of showing compassion A great deal of compassion for Mary, privately. Scripture tells us, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be, what? Afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, the only reason you tell somebody not to be afraid is generally because they're afraid. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived within her is from the Holy Spirit. So then what was Joseph afraid of? We can probably think of a lot of things. Joseph was probably afraid of the future, the gossip, the talk, the slander, the people blaming him. Maybe he was afraid for Mary's future. What would become of this young woman even after this private, quiet divorce? Then what? What would her life be like? If he loved her, and I believe he did, then he had good reason to be afraid for her and for himself. So that angel came and told Joseph in verse 21, look, Joseph, three things are going to happen here. Number one, Mary's going to have a baby. Number two, You're going to name that baby. And number three, that baby is going to save the world. My friends, that message from God through that angel was enough to talk Joseph off of the ledge of fear and to point him courageously and faithfully toward all the things I mentioned earlier about him. Because Joseph now understood that he was a part of God's plan. And so are you and so am I. Verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. Joseph woke up and he obeyed faithfully. So now not only is Mary committed to this process, and we know she is, but Joseph is committed as well. We hear he will not touch her physically until after the baby is born. Why do you think Matthew included that seemingly awkward statement? I think, so we know that Joseph's state of mind during this time was resolved. It's like he's saying, Mary, I don't want anyone to say I had anything to do with what God is doing with you right now. I had no part in this. I don't want extra gossip or rumors going around, so I won't touch you until after this baby is born. After we're married and this baby is born, I want everyone to know this here is a God thing. We know how the story goes, yes. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, travels to Bethlehem, then escapes with his wife and that newborn son to Egypt, then returns and takes them back up to Nazareth, his hometown, with all of his family and all of his friends and all of his carpenter buddies who can figure out dates and pregnancy schedules. Lord knows their tongues will surely wag back in Nazareth. The gossip might might fly for years to come. But there he is, Joseph, doing the right thing. I think what we can learn from today is this. Obedience to God isn't always easy. If we think, well, once I decide to obey God and do his will, everything's going to flow smoothly. That's not how it works. Sometimes doing the right thing is doing the difficult thing, the hard thing. So a few lessons from our gospel as we close out this morning. Lesson number one, families work very well when Jesus is at the center. That's sort of the obvious big picture story here, I think. Think about your manger scene. Families work well when Christ is at the center. I don't think Joseph realized that at first. He didn't know that Jesus was to be the center not only of his family, but of world history. So, my friends, where is Jesus this season? In your family circle. Lesson number two, sometimes the best decisions indeed are the hardest ones. It'd be much easier for Joseph to get that private divorce, to put Mary away secretly. Life would have been a heck of a lot easier for him. Indeed, it will be harder, much harder. Joseph will take this woman down to Bethlehem. The baby will be born. They'll flee to Egypt, go back. All those things are going to happen to Joseph because of his decision. Sometimes the best decisions are the hardest ones. So, then, how do we invite God and Christ in this season into our more difficult decisions? Lesson number three gosh, couldn't the world sure use a few more folks with the temperament of Joseph? With integrity and faith and courage and resolve, Joseph decided, I'm going to do the right thing, no matter if it's easy or hard. The right thing is to honor God. The right thing is to marry this woman. The right thing is to raise this child. Won't you agree with me that the world needs more people of integrity, more folks who will seek courageously and faithfully to do God's will? So then, how can we emulate Joseph? Here on this morning of Advent 4, just on the edge of Christmas week, let us honor and remember Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, the one who is sometimes hidden in our Christmas story, but who was present indeed, who was faithful, who listened, who was courageous, and finally, who did the right thing, the right thing by his family, and the right thing by God. Amen.